Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. He's acknowledging now it is his laptop. Playing games with the debt ceiling is dangerous. Still up there in the air near our middle military installations. Um, the time is now. Let's get this thing out of the air. Can I take your blame for inflation? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Friday. Welcome to the weekend. Uh, You just heard the partial piece of that clip by Joe Biden. Earlier today, he came out and said, hey, I take no responsibility for the ongoing inflation crisis in the country. Why? Because he said it was here all along. Here's Joe. If you want to ask me a question about the economy, but I'm not going to answer any question about anything else because you never will cover this. Am I taking blame for inflation? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. That's why I don't. Joe, Joe, Joe. I mean, one of the things that Donald Trump could really uh, has the right to brag about, how many businesses did he bring back to the United States? And most of it was over deregulate. Well, all of it was over deregulation and uh, lowering the taxes. And what does Joe do? As soon as he gets back in, he starts to regulate and increase the taxes. But by the way, he was there bragging about um, the jobs report. According to this jobs report, the U.S. economy added 517,000 jobs. Um, let me say, now it's interesting that this report would come out very favorable to Joe to give him some bragging rights to allow him to strut next Tuesday night during the uh, State of the Union address. He'll be out there like a peacock. Um, mark my words. I mean, just write it down if you'd like. In the next uh, 30 to 60 days... There will be a uh, adjustment. Isn't that what they call it? Uh, we, we've adjusted those numbers. Well, they're going to adjust those numbers down. In fact, they might be adjusted down as soon as everything, you know, all the dust settles after the uh, State of the Union address. I, I'm sorry. There are a number of uh, talking heads out there on the conservative side of things that looked at this and said, eh, this is fishy. I mean, they're saying the unemployment rate fell to 3.4%. I don't think so. And if it did, it's because nobody's out there looking for a job because Joe Biden is paying them to stay home, do nothing. But anyway, getting back to Joe saying the inflation is not my responsibility. Remember what it was like when I came in here is pretty much what he said. Well, let's take a look at it. In January 2021, when Joe Biden took office, Inflation was 1.4%. The most recent inflation reading for December 2022, 6.5%. Experts at the Heritage Foundation analyzed consumer prices and interest rates and found that their latest report released Thursday that the average American household has lost the equivalent. The average American household has lost the equivalent of $7,400 in annual income since Biden was inaugurated in January of 2021. Why? Because of inflation. But, <laughs> hey, it's not his responsibility. Remember what it was like when I came in. Yeah, we are remembering, Joe. I, that's the other thing. These people are so stupid. 
I mean, you, you don't think we can easily go and look up these numbers? The income loss represents an increase of $200 from September when the think tank's research found a $7,200 decline in annual income for the average American. Over the last year, Fed policymakers voted to raise interest rates seven times to a range of 4.25% to 4.5%. Now, why did they increase the uh, interest rates to curb inflation? Were they in increasing rates when Donald was in there? No. <laughs> no, they weren't. Despite the ongoing struggle to control inflation, January did see a surprising comeback in the jobs market. Yeah, I, I, again, we'll see. You, you, you write it down in your calendar. Lamprex said that there will be an adjustment on these numbers, and I feel very confident there will be an adjustment on these numbers. I mean, look, the swamp is deep. The swamp is wide. And who who comes out with these numbers? Who releases this number? A part of the swamp does. Is everybody in D.C. a part of the swamp? No, but enough. Enough at the top. So uh, nobody's ever accused the Biden crime family of being very bright. Corrupt, yes. Bright, not so much. So <laughs> Hunter is the least bright of them all. Although, according to Joe... He's the smartest guy Joe knows. That says something. Uh, Hunter has stepped in it big time. Hunter Biden has threatened to sue Fox News host Tucker Carlson for defamation after Tucker accused the Biden family of conducting a money laundering scheme. Now, what's interesting about this is if, and I, I I, th I think as soon as someone smarter than Hunter has a good talking to the young man, uh, I think Hunter will back off this lawsuit. Why? Listen, Tucker Carlson is salivating. Tucker Carlson right now is thinking, oh, please sue me. Please sue me. Why? Because as if he sues him, Tucker and his lawyers will have a chance to put Hunter in a deposition under oath and can ask them pretty much any question they want to related to this, and all of this comes off the laptop. So they will have a field day. They will ask them all kinds of questions. Who's the big guy? What's 10% for the big guy mean? Yeah. <laughs> Tucker is saying, please, please go through with this lawsuit. The legal team, Hunter's legal team, accused uh, Tucker of making false and defa uh, defamatory statements concerning the claims that Mr. Biden paid rent to his father and what Mr. Carlson implied was essentially a money laundering scheme. A letter to Mr. Carlson, Fox News attorney, accused the network of defamation by alluding to Mr. Biden's having unauthorized access to classified documents because of his presence at Biden's house. Uh, again, I, I mean, I think Tucker, uh, watch Tucker tonight at 8 o'clock. <laughs> Tucker will have a very broad smile on his face and say, bring it on. Bring it on. So, are, are you following the balloon? This is, well, uh, I tell you what, uh, between lying about inflation and not doing a darn thing about the border and not doing a darn thing about the CHICOM, this is unbelievable. And listen, if you listen to the news at the top of the hour, you, you heard them talk about how they don't want to shoot down this balloon because of the debris. We're talking about Montana. I mean, are we going to have a couple of elk that might get hit by a 
falling apart, uh, perhaps. I, I mean, this is, they act like it would be some huge explosion that would fall over miles and miles and miles. I mean, you might have a piece or two, but uh, listen, they could blow that thing up so it would be in such small fragments it wouldn't really matter. But we're talking about it's over Montana, but this even gets more ridiculous. The Chinese Communist Party has confirmed that the now identified flying object is indeed theirs, but they claim the slow-moving balloon is merely a civilian research airship that drifted where the wind takes it. Now, stop and think about this. We're talking about the CHICOM, the Chinese Communist Party. And do you think a, a, a civilian, a group of civilians over in Communist China would have put this research balloon up? I mean, first of all, I, I don't believe that they would even be allowed to do it. If they were, if there was civilians involved, they were working for the communist government. There's no way this thing is a civilian balloon. But, you know, uh, listen, now, by the way, um, Jake Sullivan did cancel his upcoming trip. They, they had to. If Biden is not going to shoot it down, uh, you know, he had to do something to make it look like they were resisting the CHICOM. But the, the idea that this is a civilian airship, oh, yeah, right. Um, Trader Joe, I'm not talking about the little stores uh, that sell cheap food and organic food. Trader Joe is the president of the United States, and that ought to be his new nickname, Trader Joe. Because this guy is doing everything to harm America and everything to help the CHICOM. And listen, there's one reason he's helping the CHICOM. I don't, I don't well, he might be a pro-communist, I don't know. But he's pro-Biden, I know that. He'll do anything to get a buck in his pocket. And I mean, and he's selling out our entire country for some trinkets for himself and his family. Uh, this is this is unbelievable. Senator Tom Cotton called the Biden administration, called on them to stop coddling and appeasing the communists in China, bring the balloon down, and exploit its tech package. That's one good reason to bring it down easy, I guess, is find out what they've got in technology. It could be an intelligence bonanza, Cotton said. Um, our own Tom Tillis said the CCP getting caught blatantly spying on American soil needs to be a wake-up call that demands the United States to do everything in our power to counter the CCP and all its forms of espionage and sabotage. Marsha Blackburn also noted the urgency of responding to China's latest act of aggression against the United States. Why won't Biden shoot down the Chinese spy balloon? Uh, again, the only reason they ought to have for bringing it down carefully is to see what's on the balloon. Other than that, take it out. Uh, there have been a number of people that said earlier today Anthony Blinken ought to cancel his trip. Apparently enough people said it that uh, Joe feel, felt like he had to do something. So he probably called up the counterparts over in Communist China and said, eh, let's just delay this for a little bit. Till, you know, Give me a couple of weeks. Let, let all the dust settle and we'll get back together again. No big deal. But, you know, we just we don't want to shoot down your balloon. You go ahead and keep getting. Oh, and by the way, this is the other thing that's really interesting about this. They say that the balloon is it just happens to be floating or it's going where the winds take it. How convenient that this civilian airship 
just floating where the wind takes. It just happens to float over the Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Launch Site for the United States. <laughs> what a coincidence. You can't make it up. The CCP Senate's regret the balloon ended up surveilling one of the United States' most sensitive defensive installations. Just a coincidence. We're sorry. Hey, we said we're sorry. Back off. Yeah. So they happened to have this spy balloon right over the ballistic missile launch site. And what would be the primary target if, if China wanted to attack us, or for that matter, any country wanted to attack the United States? What would be the first thing they'd want to take out? Yeah, that facility, which is right underneath where the balloon is. But they can't control it. The winds just happen to take it there. Hey, come on, back off. Hey, we're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. Friday's edition of News and Views continues. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is... February the 3rd, on this day in 1959, 64 years ago, it was the day the music died. Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and the Big Bopper, hello baby, died in a plane crash in Mason City, Iowa, the day the music died. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast, it is going to be clear tonight, a low in the teens, low of 19 according to the uh, numbers I have here. Uh, tomorrow, a high near 40 with lots of sunshine. Good news is the, the rain has stopped for a, a day or two anyway. Uh, tomorrow night, partly cloudy, a low of 26. And uh, Sunday, cloudy with uh, showers in the afternoon, a high of 54. Uh, the good news is next Monday, uh, the weather starts to get really nice. Sunny skies, a high of 59. And by Thursday, we'll have partly cloudy skies with a high of 70. So hang in there. Uh, by the way, up in the northeast of our country, they're going to have some cold, cold, cold temperatures. Uh, they're saying it's the coldest up there in decades, which makes me wonder why today, February the 3rd, is designated as Working Naked Day. I will do anything. No, don't, 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 please. I just loved yesterday. Oh, oh. Oh, that's that's bad. That's bad thought. That's uh, bad karma, or whatever they call it. Uh, but I mean, would you not think you'd pick a day in July or August if you're going to have a national working day? <laughs> Who comes up with these things? So the presidential race, um, there's new polling out according to a recent Marquette University national poll. And again, as Benny says often, you know, right now it doesn't really matter what the national polls say. It's really what the state polls say and what the early primary states say. But uh, according to this poll, 64% of registered Republicans would pick DeSantis over Trump as the 2024 nominee if the choice came down to just the pair. Now, this might be why Donald Trump is happy to see um, others get into the race. Uh, he'd be happy to see Mike Pence get into the race and probably Pompeo and, of course, Nikki Haley, supposed to announce uh, on the 15th of this month. The uh, same poll found that registered voters favored DeSantis over Biden, 45% to 38%. Now, that ought to be something that um, 
Republican voters ought to take notice of. That would be a hypothetical matchup. We don't know that uh, Biden is even going to run. In fact, if uh, other Democrats apparently get their way, he will be eased out and somebody else will be eased in. Well, I'm sorry, Joe. That's just the way it is. In both hypothetical matchups, Biden's share of support has steadily declined since last summer, while support for DeSantis and Trump have increased in the past year. The Marquette poll, by the way, the Marquette poll is no conservative poll by any means at all. Uh, This was conducted January 19th and the 20th. In a December USA Today poll, Biden led Trump in a hypothetical matchup. However, the president continued to trail DeSantis in a head-to-head race. DeSantis, 47 percent. Biden, 43 percent. In New Hampshire, a critical early state in the presidential nomination process, DeSantis leads the pack of GOP candidates with 42% of likely GOP voters picking the Florida governor as their top choice for president in 24. Trump follows modestly behind with 30%. Nikki Haley with 8%. University of New Hampshire poll conducted January 19th through the 20th. So steady support for DeSantis since June of 22. Uh, though Trump's support likely uh, among likely Republican voters in the Granite State declined since last summer, the poll has a margin of error of plus of or minus three um, percent. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, again, a lot of people are saying, and I just I just said it. If a lot of people get into the race, who is going to help more, Trump or DeSantis? Now, I think Trump thought, well, I've got. I mean, I think the 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 thinking is, Trump is essentially the incumbent. Trump has his block of MAGA voters that, and listen, his, his block of MAGA voters are, uh, I mean, you know, th- they will die for Trump. So the thought is, okay, if I can hold that together, and that is, you know, the biggest plurality of voters, uh, I, I get a lot of others in the race, and then I can, I can go ahead and beat DeSantis. Wherever, if it's just DeSantis and Trump, DeSantis obviously wins. Well, that, that's, the, that's the thinking, but is it right or is it wrong? I mean, uh, these extra – the question is, does DeSantis have the larger block of voters? And if that's the case, it's not going to make any difference whether there's a lot of people in the race or not. Again, I think the uh, Nikki Haley's uh, – Mike Pence, just go ahead and get a place at uh, – down in Florida, Mike. I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly. Uh, you're, you're a good guy, but I just, I just don't see a uh, future in politics for Mike Pence. Uh, he's uninspiring. I like the guy. I think he, the guy's got good, strong Christian values, but he's just uninspiring, and uh, he doesn't cast a vision. And you know, for that, nobody gets overly pumped up about the guy. And the MAGA voters don't like him. It's it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard road to hoe for Mike Pence. Um, Pompeo, Nikki Haley, Pompeo. I think I think Pompeo is uh, sincere. Has a I think I think most of them have a sincere uh, concern for the United States. I think Pompeo has a real concern for the United States, and I think he's a very smart man. Um, will he be president? I you know again I I, I don't know. I think he's got a. I mean, Benny disagrees with me on this, but I think he's got a better shot than Nikki Haley. But I don't think either one of them have a very, very good shot. I, you know, I think they're looking to be VP. But man, what a great Secretary of State he was. I mean, <laughs> I know that might be a letdown for him to go back into that role again. But boy, if if you want to do something for the United States, 
if we can get another Republican conservative in there as president, Mike Pompeo ought to be your pick for Secretary of State. Uh, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan has subpoenaed FBI Director Christopher Wray today, compelling him to turn over documents and communications related to the FBI's misuse of federal criminal and counterterrorism resources to target parents at school board meetings. Fox News Digital first reviewed the subpoena, which compels Wray to turn over documents to the committee at 9 a.m. on March the 1st. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Um, this uh, this is anarchy, but there uh, you have these subpoenas going out, and you have these people in these agencies that just say, eh, no, we're not going to do it. Uh, this is the beginning of anarchy. Uh, will Christopher Ray, who claims to be a Republican, uh, will he turn them over? I um, I'm skeptical. The subpoena compels Ray to produce all documents referring to meetings with U.S. attorneys' offices in accordance with Attorney General Michael um, Merrick Garland's October 4th, 21 memo, which directed FBI to partner with local law enforcement and U.S. attorneys to identify parental threats at school board meetings against faculty and prosecute them when appropriate. Who was abused at these school board meetings? It wasn't faculty. It wasn't school board members. It was parents. If if now I'm not I'm not proposing this, but if if the Justice Department was to look into anything, they should have looked into the abuse of parents. Uh, well, I, I mean, kudos to uh, Jim Jordan, head of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, I, I hope you're successful. I hope Christopher Ray uh, cooperates. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, what else we got? Um, did you hear the story? This is bizarre here in North Carolina. A North Carolina man who went missing on Christmas Eve has been found dismembered and sealed in a barrel of hardened concrete, according to the Lee County Sheriff's Office. The discovery was, this is out of the News and Observer, the discovery was made on January the 26th as deputies spent their second day searching property surrounding a home outside of Sanford, about 40 miles southwest of Raleigh. Detectives located a 55-gallon barrel in a heavy wooded area that contained concrete and suspected human remains. I mean, that would be suspicious. If you're searching someplace that you think this guy went missing, why would you have a barrel of concrete? The barrel was seized and sent to the North Carolina State Medical Examiner's Office for further inspection. The medical examiner's office removed the concrete and discovered a dismembered body inside of the barrel, the body was identified as 40-year-old Michael Brady Cox of Lee County, who had been reported missing since January the 5th after he was last seen or heard from on December the 24th. A suspect, 42-year-old Jackie Lamar Bright, has been charged with murder in the case. Bright lives at the home detectives were searching. Investigators have not released a motive and have not said if the two men knew each other prior to the killing. Bright's home has also been searched the first week of January resulting in his arrest on drug charges. Bright has a very extensive criminal history and was released from prison in May of 2022. What do you want to bet this has to do with drugs? He was currently on parole when the Lee County Sheriff's Office placed Bright into custody for unrelated charges of possession of a stolen vehicle, controlled substance violations. Bright bonded out of jail and was arrested again on January 11th. This guy's a character. Uh, the stolen vehicle was found in an out building on his property along with 270 grams of marijuana, 40 doses, units of suboxone, and uh, cocaine, officials said. 
Uh, yeah. Drug deal gone bad? Perhaps. Uh, Carolina Journal is reporting applications for opportunity scholarships opened two days ago, February the 3rd, North Carolina, marking the beginning of what is sure to be another year of growth for school choice programs. As of the morning of February the 3rd, applications have been received to the total of 3,853. The North Carolina SEAA also published new guidelines on the value of each scholarship and the income threshold needed to apply. Each scholarship is now worth up to $6,492 a year for tuition and fees at a private school, while the yearly income cap for a family of four is now $111,000. So, if you, and, and by the way, th- this actually would be less expensive for North Carolina to do this and not pay for these students to be in public schools. Uh, the national average, um, this $6,492 is 90%, I said national average, is 90% of the state average of what the state pays for uh, education for students. But consider that most counties supplement that, and this does not count capital expenditures. In other words, it doesn't count the cost of the school building, the equipment in the schools. This is this is the basically the operational cost per student. Sixty-four ninety-two. So, think about this. Now, I, I, obviously, this is not going to happen overnight. But the more the more students that take advantage of this the more savings it is for the taxpayer. And, again, if you're a family of four, now obviously it's going to go, the, 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 the cap is going to go up as your size of your family increases. It's going to go down as the size of your family decreases. But a family of four, you can make up to $111,000 and still qualify each of your children for a $6,492. Uh, dollar scholarship fund. Um, recent expansions to the Opportunity Scholarship Program will allow more families to send their son or daughter to a school that's a better fit for them, said Robert Lupke, Director of Center for Effective Education at the John Locke Foundation. Good news for families who are trapped in poor neighborhoods or in poor, poor school systems. But listen, I mean, there are a lot of uh, parents out there that would love to take advantage of this. Uh, if you if you want to file, you got to file between now and March the first. But you can have a decent income and still qualify for these scholarships. And again, I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna hear a lot of liberals that are gonna go crazy and say that oh, this is gonna decimate the public school system. And it's gonna it's gonna challenge the public school system. I've said this all along. When there's competition, the product gets better. And again, this is actually saving. This is not. A, this is this is saving the state taxpayer money. The Parents' Bill of Rights is uh, making national news. We've talked about it twice this weekend. Well, more than that, uh, but uh, we we had the interview on Wednesday. The Parental Bill of Rights here in uh, North Carolina. Now, interestingly, the national news, Fox News, picked up and ran with this, but really they're focused on the medical side of it versus the education side of it. They're saying that the North Carolina medical professionals could lose their license if they perform certain procedures, according to the proposed bill. 
The new bill in North Carolina would make it illegal for medical professionals to perform any gender-affirming medical treatments on minors. The bill was introduced Wednesday in the House. And uh, Now, this is not the exact same bill that was Senate Bill 49. I said it was the Parents' Bill of Rights. This was actually introduced, let me back up, this was actually introduced by George Cleveland. We need to get George on the air to talk about this. But I would imagine that this is going to coincide with the Parents' Bill of Rights. That, that, that was my mistake. This is not the same bill. This is a different bill. George Cleveland is in the House. But uh, George Cleveland, very conservative from the eastern part of the state. Uh, it would ban hormone treatments and gender-affirming surgeries for people younger than 18. Now, the, the Parental Bill of Rights does have some uh, distinctives about the medical do's and don'ts and and how parents need to be informed and give consent for anything to happen to their child you know when it comes to transgenderism but this bill by george cleveland is just a straight out ban um kudos good for it go for it we need to get george on the phone and uh, get him to talk to us about it next week hey we got to take another time out stay with us we'll be right back Get the information you need here to be informed and stay informed. What's a song in this heart of mine? What's a smile on my face every time? Because I love night. Welcome back in. So we were just talking about this uh, bill that uh, George Cleveland has introduced that would ban hormone treatments and gender-affirming surgeries for people younger than 18. Uh, along with that, Donald Trump has come out, and apparently this is going to be a part of his uh, campaign talking points, which uh, go for it, Donald. I'm, I'm right there with you on this. On Wednesday, Trump released a video condemning the radical left's gender ideology and plans to protect children from experimental transgender surgeries and procedures. Quote, the left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse, very simple, Trump said. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. That's exactly what it is. It's child abuse. Trump called for the rescinding of Biden's gender-affirming care policies, which involve putting children on puberty blockers, transforming their bodies through cross-sex hormones, and committing surgeries while minors. Trump plans to replace this program with an executive order to cease all federal programs that promote gender transitioning at any age. He also plans to urge Congress to stop paying taxpayer-funded gender transition surgeries and ban minor sex surgeries in all 50 states. Quote, I would declare that any hospital or health care provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. Trump continued, furthermore, I will support the creation of a private right of action for victims to sue doctors who have unforgivably, unforgivably performed these surgeries on minor children. Trump plans to use the Department of Justice to investigate pharmaceutical companies, potential cover-up of minor sex transition surgeries for profit, and the marketing of unlicensed drugs for children. My Department of Education will inform states and school districts that if any teacher or school official suggests to a child that they can be trapped in the wrong body, they will face severe consequences, including potential civil rights violations for sex discrimination and the elimination of federal funding. As a part of our new credential body for teachers, we will promote positive education about the nuclear family, the roles of mothers and fathers, and celebrating rather than erasing things that make men and women different and unique. 
Boy, you can hear the screams of the liberals on this. Oh, my goodness. The LGBTQ crowd is going to go nuts. But he is absolutely right. This is criminal. And uh, listen, the, the suits have already started. The lawsuits have already started. They're taking place right now in California. And I hope this, um, it was a young woman who, uh, you know, they tried to, they, they did surgeries on her and gave all kind of chemicals saying she was, a, you know, oh, yeah, you're a boy, whatever. And uh, I can't remember what her name is, but uh, it was just, you know, literally, it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of counseling for days or weeks. It was counseling for a matter of hours. And uh, they started these procedures on her. These lawsuits need to take place because, quite frankly, that where you can I mean, listen, they're doing this to make money. They need to lose money. They you know, they need to be hurt financially, so this will stop. But what's really interesting about this is the Federalist Ashley Bateman, who's a writer for the Federalist. She had a piece out that came on Wednesday. Came out on Wednesday. The whole transgender garbage that is being perpetrated upon our entire country, Western civilization, young people in particular, the report that uh, that Ashley is reporting on is called The Myth of Reliable Research and Pediatric, Pediatric Gender Medicine. It was published earlier this month. Researchers described how the 2011 and 2014 studies that were Dutch studies that formed the foundation of transgender industry in the United States should never have been accepted by the professional community, falling unacceptably short of modern research standards. The studies led to a global movement of wrongly named gender-affirming care, resulting in hormone experimentation on youth and, in some cases, irreversible mutilation. Yeah, that's happened a lot. The Dutch studies had several major flaws, according to the report. Study authors only recorded the cases with the best outcomes, concluded without evidence that gender dysphoria disappears solely on the result of puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, and failed to properly examine the risks and intervention with disastrous effects. The American College of Pediatricians responded to the report in a press release on January the 25th, calling on organizations to reconsider current protocols for gender dysphoric children. Now, you haven't heard about this in the mainstream media, have you? No. They're hiding it. The entire pediatric transgender industry is based on these two Dutch studies. Michelle Cradilla the immediate past executive director of ACPEDS, an advisory board spokeswoman for the Advocates of Protecting Children. This open access report is critical because it exposes the fraudulent foundation of pediatric transgender medicine in the United States. Now, this is a long report, but the bottom line, if you read through it, uh, you know, all this um, surgeries, chemical castrations, hormones, testosterone, whatever you want to talk, it doesn't cure anything. I mean, these, these young people don't wake up after they've gone through this. I mean, even years after the surgery and the chemicals have been injected, even years afterwards, these, the, the dysphoria is still there. This doesn't cure, cure anything. 
And, of course, we've talked about this before, is you've had all kinds of medical issues that take place that last years. I mean, my gosh, when you mutilate your body, pardon me for being graphic, but when you, when you cut off the male genitalia, there's a report we had out about two weeks ago that men, even up to 10 years afterwards, have a hard time urinating. Well, what a surprise that is. You chop off Uncle Albert and you have a surprise that you can't urinate. <laughs> and, yet, and yet we have these doctors that are supposed to be out there. You know, they take the Hippocratic Oath that they're going to, they're gonna, uh, you know, protect the health of the patients. What an absolute fraud. Hey, we're going to take a last time out. Stay with us. More coming up. We'll be right back. and views with Tom and Benny on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Benny will be back on Monday. Interesting commentary that appeared in the Daily Signal by David Harsany. Uh, it's on this Ilhan Omar, who, uh, as you know, if you listened to yesterday's program or seen any of the news, she was booted off the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, the commentary basically says, yeah, she should have been. And, uh, of course, all the libs went nuts. The squad members went absolutely crazy. How dare they do this? Listen, she was denied the seat because of Nancy Pelosi. She's the one, and just as Harry Reid decided that he was going to do away with the, uh, well, he was the nuclear option. I mean, he was the guy that uh, changed the rules on that. Nancy Pelosi was the one that set the precedent by denying Kevin McCarthy from his choices of those to sit on the January 6th committee. So don't go, I mean, for them to be complaining, look, you guys set the ground rules when you make these stupid choices, and you, and you don't think it's going to come back and bite you in the butt? When Democrats introduced a resolution to strip Lauren Bobart, the Republican from Colorado, all uh, of all House committee assignments over a bigoted joke about Omar, the congresswoman told CNN Jake Tra Tapper, that we should punish and sanction Bobart by stripping her of her committee, all her committees, by rebuking her language, by doing everything we can to send a clear and decisive message to the American public. Now, listen, Bobart, what she said was inappropriate. But uh, listen, Ilhan Omar has said so many anti-Semitic things. I mean, at one point, she read the Hamas charter into the congressional record which is nothing but just slam after slam after slam against Israel. When Democrats had the chance to send a clear and decisive message that they would not tolerate Omar's bigotry, they didn't. Instead, they just said, well, you know what? There are a lot of things that are bad. There's things that are wrongly said. And what did they do? They went after conservative comments. <laughs> didn't say anything about Omar. I mean, this was, the whole thing was to slap Omar on the wrist. They didn't even do that. They didn't even give her a slap on the wrist. So, and listen, this this woman of all the committees she does not belong on is the Foreign Affairs Committee. So, um, question, does your wife or your spouse, your husband or your wife, do they drive you nuts? Do they drive you crazy? Well, guess again. 
A new study has found that continuous marriage, particularly through the middle decades of life, lowers the risk of developing dementia. Don't mess with me. <laughs> she has been married to Paul for a while. Neuroscience News reported researchers predominantly from the Norwegian Institute of Public Health looked at the marital status of adults ages 44 through 68 and whether those adults developed dementia after the age of 70. The study utilized data from 150,000 Norwegians. Results indicate adults who remain married during those years of life saw the lowest occurrence of dementia. Consistent with those results, the data has also showed adults who were unmarried and divorced saw the highest rate of dementia. Vugart Skibek at the Norwegian Institute of Public Health, an author of the study, said, quote, being married can have an influence on risk factors for dementia. The causes of dementia are still unknown, and researchers have found a number of factors that can influence a person's risk of developing the disease. It was found that having children, <laughs> this is hard to believe, having children also risks the idea of developing dementia. I mean, a lot of say, you got to be kidding me. My kids drive me nuts. No, actually, they will help. Of the unmarried people analyzed, those who had children saw a 60% decrease risk of dementia. Some people have theorized that if you have children, you stay more cognitively engaged. For example, you have to deal with people and participate in activities that you wouldn't otherwise have to. This stimulates your brain so that it possibly works better. That way you build up a kind of cognitive reserve. See, listening, listening, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. listening to this program prevents you from getting dementia. We, we keep the... Uh, Nerve endings in the brain stimulated. What can I say? Hey, listen, have a great weekend. Uh, stay warm. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody.